0: Welcome to the Hope College Athletics Orange Group Podcast. My name is Alan Babbitt, Sports Information Director here at Hope College. Looking forward each week to bringing you my conversations with uh, Hope College uh, coaches, administrative staff, and student-athletes as uh, we go inside uh, Hope Athletics, especially during this uh, interesting year so far, but uh, our student-athletes and coaches and teams have been making the most out of their time together this fall as they prepare to compete, so uh, hopefully very soon. With me today, Head Women's Soccer Coach Lee Sears. Flying uh, Dutch have been uh, busy practicing uh, this fall and just recently found out uh, what their schedule is going to be like for the spring. So finally, some games to, to look forward to that hopefully we'll be able to see them in action at uh, Van Andel Soccer Stadium. Welcome, uh, Coach. Uh, glad to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, what you guys have been trying. I mean, normally we'd be in the, you know, probably getting ready to kick off league play Uh, Around this time, uh, after playing, you know, pretty challenging non-league schedule, obviously this year is different with the pandemic, uh, and uh, really just focusing in on practice. Just just take me through what you guys have been trying to do to to improve uh, this fall.
1: Yeah, we tried to make this fall um, as much like a normal season as possible, so we decided early on, um, unlike most teams, we're practicing six days a week, because we would be playing on Saturdays anyway. Um, obviously we don't have to travel which gives us more time but um we're maintaining a similar schedule so we have team dinners on friday nights we have saturday activities instead of playing games or actually we've been scrimmaging on saturdays and then they have an activity so we're trying to keep them busy so they don't have to interact with the general population too much because we're trying to keep them healthy um but we wanted to treat it like a normal season i think we also decided early on that um you know, without the pressure of the season, without pressure of uh, starting time and playing time, it was a time to kind of focus on individuals. So it's, um, we we set our goals as individual goals as opposed to a team goal just for the fall and how can each player get better? And we kind of figured if everybody gets a little bit better, we'll be that much better in the spring when it's time to compete.
0: Obviously, there's a lot of different ways uh, to prepare for a season like this. For you, why why was the keeping it you know, in that kind of like what a season would be like um, beyond that busy time? How do you think that can help them as when you start competing again?
1: I think partially, um, you know, our incoming freshmen lost their senior high school season. Then they lost their freshman collegiate season. And we wanted to put them through as close to a season as we could so they knew what the expectations were. So now when it comes time for the spring, they know exactly how we operate and what the core values are and kind of you know, how this team just does things day in and day out. And I think it's going to help us in the long run. I think right now it's basically um, kind of midterm time and you can see the stress starting to pile on even without the travel. So we've we've cut back a tiny bit. Um, but we just wanted to show those freshmen what a season for us would look like the best we can even without games.
0: What have you seen from them as they've adjusted? Obviously getting now with uh, with midterms, but how have you seen them kind of grow? Um, so far as they, they acclimate themselves to college soccer and to Hope College uh, women's soccer. Yeah.
1: I think our freshmen are doing great. Um, sometimes it's the upperclassmen who struggle with the – when it comes to midterm time a little bit. Um, the freshmen are playing really well. They're doing a great job. They're fitting in nicely. Um, you know, I think without the pressure of travel for them and even starting or playing time, it's it's easier on them this fall. Um, but they they've done a great job.
0: With having everything lost last spring, not only for them and high schoolers, but your team uh, in general losing the opportunity to compete, what have you seen from your players with just having the chance to to be together, to play on the field, whether it's drill work? I know, you know, drill work can be kind of monotonous at times, but it's still, it's better than having to not play at all. What, what have you seen as far as the enjoyment of just being around soccer again?
1: I think they were so excited the first two weeks to be together that they couldn't stand it. They, did, they could care less that it was skill and drill. It was exciting. And then it got old and then we were able to play contact and they were so excited. Um, The first time we scrimmaged was absolutely horrible because everybody was so excited and they knew it. It's just like, wow, that was not pretty, but it was fun. And they've, they've gotten better every single time we've played. And I just think we're at, this happens even when we compete, we're at the point of the season where it's just school gets hard. So it's just hard right now. Um, But with only three weeks left, um, I think they're trying to just enjoy it as much as they can. It's just the monotony of day in and day out without playing somebody else. Um, but we keep telling them, you know, think about the spring sports who practiced one day and just got sent home the next day. It's like, we're thankful for what we have and we're trying to make the most of it. And I'm not sure how the spring's going to work. Cause I've never had to do this in the spring. So it's, you know, it's one thing at a time and let's just have fun.
0: With um, I know you talked about that, you know, the bonds and the team that they have together. I know that is something that's really been uh, utmost importance to you as far as building that chemistry and that trust among everybody coming in and your upperclassmen. Uh, how, how do you, how have you tried to develop that among these unusual times and where did that root of that being really a foundation value for this mm-hmm. program come from for you?
1: That's a great question. When I came here 20 years ago, they already had what they called specials. So we pair up an upperclassman with an underclassman. I don't know where the name came from, but we kept it. So we always have these pairs and it probably wasn't until I can tell you the people, but I can't tell you the year. I mean, it's been over 10 years that we kind of sort of figured out that relationships are super important for the women's team. And the more we know each other and kind of the better bonds we have, the better we play together. And it just makes being on that team easier. So I think. We started this after the school shut down. We knew some of the kids coming in, and we paired them up right away with an upperclassman. So they had somebody like an accountability partner and somebody to check in with them. Um, And then as they had open fields over the summer, so they were able to kind of get together and play. Um, And we just kind of continued it. Every Friday night at dinner, they have a different activity or somebody tells their story or they somehow kind of try to share somebody's story so they get to know each other better. And we'll just continue that throughout the winter and the spring.
0: And obviously do that, you've had to have great buy-in over the years to have that kind of become a tradition. Talk about that and what that's meant to, you know, it's one thing for a coach to say, hey, we're going to do this. It's another when there's a buy-in and there's just a different level that's completed there. What, what have you seen from the players over the year that they've really, you know, gravitated to this and made it something that's a priority and a fruitful one?
1: Yeah, I think when it first started, you when you try to change a culture, you don't have 100% buy-in. And you can tell. So some kids love it, some kids hate it. And I think it takes time to recruit the right kinds of kids. And once we figured out what the culture was, it's in every recruiting meeting, I explain how we do things. And I say, if you don't like this, then you probably shouldn't be here. You know, at the risk of losing a good player, if they're not going to fit in, to me, it's not worth it. So I mean, the upperclassmen are totally bought in. And it's kind of their job to sell it or teach it to the freshmen when they come in. And then that's part of like the Friday dinners and. I've got so many little things that I make them do, like lists of questions that they have to answer and then share with somebody else. So it's just trying to get them to realize that it's okay to be vulnerable and, and talk to your teammates. And I think it's helped us in the long run in terms of even just mental health, um, being able to get people the help they need or kids feeling free in our locker room to say what they need to say. where on some other teams. They might not do that.
0: On the field, uh, with some of the drill work you've been doing, what have you been working on to try to develop a, that individual talent for everyone this fall? Take, take us through like a, a practice or a week's worth of practice, the different um, you know drills you might be doing to kind of build this team's uh, skill level.
1: I think for us it's, you know, I don't think great teams have to do something extraordinary. They have to do the little things really, really well. Like we don't have to do something over the top. So, I mean, our practices are pretty basic. It's it's a lot of skill and drill. If you know, if you know us, you know what it is. We do a lot of passing squares. Um, after last year's shooting troubles, we shoot an awful lot um, <laughs> trying to put the ball on frame. And now that it's – we always have one competition day a week because the team is split into four separate teams. So, we compete every week and keep a running total of points for that to keep the competition going. Um, but since we've gotten contact, we right now we get exactly 40 minutes. So we're trying to make the most out of that between small-sided and big-sided. So sometimes for me, it's it's easiest to teach while they're playing big, and I can just stand right in the middle of them. So it's, we've done a little bit of everything to try to keep them just interested. And like last Friday, we played kickball and soccer, tennis. We just needed them to have some fun because it had been a long week. So
0: I, With that, I mean, everyone's having to be nimble as we navigate through the pandemic. You know, as you mentioned, the amount of time that you have and, and that kind of building up and changes and all these different things. How, what is that, how does that challenge you and uh, Elliot and your coaching staff just to try to maximize the time you do have together? I mean, that, it has to be – it's had to be uh, obviously unique but challenging uh, on top of it. Yeah. Um, you know, we thought we were going to have a season.
1: And then the season changed to just a conference season. And then that got changed again. And then all of a sudden you have nothing. And as all this was going on, we decided pretty quickly that, you know, we wanted to do things differently and make it feel like a season. And even if that meant we have life classes on how to change oil of your car or, and we haven't done that yet, but things like that, that's just going to help them in the long run. That's what we wanted to do. Um, so many teams just focus on playing. And I'm not saying playing's not important because obviously it is, but it's what can we offer them in this time when they weren't playing games? Um, so it took a lot of backyard meetings as school was starting and just lots of changing. And yeah, I feel like I never know what's going on right now. Every, <laughs> every day is the same, but it's highly different.
0: Well, at least now we have uh, uh, some games to schedule to look forward to at the, as we, uh, for you guys, we'll open up uh, two matches uh, at home to start the season, uh, March 23rd versus St. Mary's and then March 26th with Calvin a single round um, and then uh double uh, tournament uh, after that uh, just take me through this schedule and having uh having something to look forward to, and then you know kind of what you think this spring uh, may be like if, when you guys get a chance to play, and usually you're playing multiple times in the last few years you've ch- you know changed, and so just just talk about the spring schedule and uh, what you see out of it.
1: yeah, I'm excited to have the schedule finally, the the players have it uh we don't have all the time set um but we're excited to play, but like, I just keep saying, it's just so different. You know, you don't have a pre-conference schedule to get fully prepared. I'm not sure we can even have a scrimmage to get prepared. Like the first time we play somebody else since last fall. So a year and a half ago, we'll be St. Mary's. So we're excited to do it. Um, I think it's going to be maybe a little bit more pressure because you, you really can't, you can't afford to mess up right now if you want to be in the top four. Um, how the spring goes. I, this I feel bad for baseball and softball I don't know how they do it like we're going to come back in January and like I don't even know where how we'll practice you know it's like we don't the high school kids or the college freshmen will probably be easier because they're used to playing their high school season in the spring like I'm not sure what to do when we have snow on the ground so it's like how much practice we have plenty of time to practice before the schedule starts but the logistics of everybody playing in the spring and field space and facilities it's well, I mean, we'll be ready, but it's just going to be a whole lot. It's going to be different. It's just different.
0: But obviously I imagine that uh, carrot of, a, you know, as you said, getting in that top four and a chance to be MIAA champion yeah. uh, will probably, I would imagine, motivate everyone. Uh, just you guys have obviously had some great seasons and have a great tradition in the league. Regardless, it seems, of whatever the schedule format is, What, what what's important when it comes to league time as far as, you know, to be that team that rises to the top?
1: I think some of it for us is just um, hard work and fitness. I mean, soccer is one of those games where the, the best team doesn't always win on that day, but sometimes it's the team who fights the hardest. So who's mentally stronger? Who's going to work till the very end? And for us in the spring, that's going to be the, the challenge of can they maintain their fitness over the winter so we can actually compete like we want to in the spring. Um, I'd say that's kind of the biggest part of it for right now.
0: Obviously, your your captains will continue after you guys finish your practice and then you have your downtime finish semester and then when you come back. Talk about your captains and, and what you've seen from them, what you're looking from them as they lead you through the, the this season in this school. Yeah,
1: we, we have seniors, Audrey White, Maria Egloff, and McKenna Vancouvering, and then junior Sarah Mike Self. And the hard part for me is that they're all nurses. And that's that's good for us, but um with clinicals and them being older. Uh, three of them are not at practice on Monday. You know one comes late on Tuesday. and that that's fine. that's how we do it, but it's you know that that leaves pressure on the other seniors to make sure they're leading well all the time, you know as well. So that's kind of how we operate. We have captains, but we also depend on senior leadership. So these four have been great. I met with them. you know, I had a few zoom calls over the summer, lots of texting. They had everything organized. I would put up a workout and they would take care of everything else for me. Um, they ran all the stuff in the summer. And, and they've been great this fall. I mean, I think the biggest burden our team falls to, to the captains and the seniors because if I'm coming after somebody, it's going to be them, and they're going to have to straighten it out. So they've done a great job.
0: And part of that uh, exceptional senior lead, uh, led to another uh, United Soccer Coaches Team Academic Award just announced here last week uh, with uh, 13th time overall in the third year in a row. Uh, just talk about that honor, and then what's it mean to, for you guys to you know, earn that distinction?
1: I think it's awesome because I think kids first start looking at hope for academics and some come because of soccer, then they realize how much we emphasize academics. And I'm not saying other schools don't, but it's a major part of kind of how we recruit, Um, you know, kids, we track their grades for two years. They have to fill out a book for me for two years. We get mid semester grades, semester grades. Um, They, they know why they're here. They know they're not going to be a professional soccer player they know they're going to be a nurse or a teacher or something else and that they take it really seriously. So, um, you know, I stay on top of them because I'm also in the classroom and I have a lot of them in my class, which is always fun usually, <laughs> but it's, uh, they know why they're here. So, I mean, it's a really, it's a big honor. And honestly, if we haven't won the award, I think we could have won it every year. I've, I think I've just sometimes forgotten to fill out the paperwork and miss the deadline. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're doing
0: okay. <laughs> With having that, when you have, you know, your players in class, just describe what that's like. And, uh, it, obviously it's fun. I mean, still a professor, it's a little different role. So just talk about that and what, what's that like when you have one of your players, you know, as a student.
1: Yeah, I think last fall, I might've had four of them at the same time. And the rule in my class is you have to sit in the front row. So, you know, everybody in the classroom walks straight to the back and I keep the front row open for them. So they have to come in and sit there. Um, <laughs> It's 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 a lot of fun because I mean it's easy for me because I know their names so I can pick on them when nobody else wants to talk to me I can always talk to them or make them try to answer questions so they keep it lively.
0: You've uh, had some uh, tremendous support I know this past six months has been a a challenging time for you personally uh, uh, with uh, a successful uh, fight with uh, breast cancer and now breast cancer survivor. Just take me through your journey and what this I guess starting when did you find out that you had something you had to contend with and, and the process that get get you here to today.
1: Right. I think I, I knew something was wrong in mid-March. And then the second week, I don't know the date, but right before spring break, I think the second week before spring break, I went in and had an ultrasound and the mammogram and they said, well, you know, something doesn't look right. So like two days later, I had a biopsy. And then that Monday or right before spring break, they actually called me in between classes. So I lectured. I went to chapel, took my phone with me. Had to leave because the phone was ringing. And then I find out, oh, you have breast cancer. And then I had to teach a class.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. Then we had, I think we had fitness that afternoon. So, you know, I, I, I didn't tell the team that. I told the captains, I didn't tell the team. So, it, it, because then, let's see, that was on a Monday. We were going on spring break. We didn't have class Friday. Get through spring break with the appointments with surgeon, oncology, um, and then the school shut down. So I decided, they decided to just do surgery right away. So come March 31st, so this is all probably within a three-week span, um, went in at eight in the morning and my husband could wait until the surgery was over, but then he had to go home. So he dropped, he, he was there through surgery, he left, and then he came back at eight o'clock at night to pick me up. So they basically wanted to get me out of there because of COVID. So it was basically an outpatient kind of major surgery. So we bring, I came home and ate some ice cream and just got in bed. (laughs) That was kind of it. So let's see, I think a week later I had some, my drains taken out and just, I've been having a lot of appointments ever since, went through radiation, ended in July. Um, And right now I'm just kind of waiting for the next thing.
0: Mentally, I mean, with everything else going on, then you have this on top of it. How did you I don't even really know what the right word is, whether staying sane is appropriate or not, or just because, I mean, you know, we're all, I mean, it was challenging, whether you're with your family or by yourself, just kind of being cooped up, especially initially. And then you have this on top of that. Um, just talk about how you, what you did to get the strength to kind of be able to get through and not, I imagine it been really hard not to get depressed and, and all the emotions that come with having cancer. Yeah, I think for me, it's
1: like, I tell this to my team all the time and I can't say it if I don't believe it, that like I can only control what I can control. You know, I got it. I had cancer, but I mean, I could choose to rub gravel in my hair and cry over it or get my plan and move on. And I think the biggest, the, the worst part for me was waiting for the plan. So did I need chemo or not? When was radiation? When was surgery? Kind of the order of things. And once I got the order set out, it was, I could tackle it. As long as I know what's going on, I'm fine. It was, it was kind of the waiting. That was the issue for me. So, you know, and I I don't wish a global pandemic on anybody, but for me, it came at a really good time because I, you know, I I was teaching online at the time and I told my class, I'm going to be busy on Tuesday. I'll be back tomorrow. (laughs) So I had surgery Tuesday and by Wednesday, I'm trying to answer emails for class. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I just have something to keep doing, I can do it. And then kind of at that time I started emailing the team updates and then I have about 70 alumni on an email chain that were getting emails, which were kind of therapeutic to write. They're they're pretty funny. So I was sending them, I've been sending them emails throughout, like I think, think I sent the last one last week. So they've been getting updates every couple of weeks. So I've had a pretty big support system.
0: How valuable was that for you just to know that that was there, whether it was, you know, former student, former players or current ones, or, you know, some of the people at Hope College, how was that helpful for you during this time?
1: Yeah, I think it's super helpful. I mean, um, you know, people want to bring you meals and it's like, that's nice. But during COVID, I, we didn't want people coming to the house and dropping stuff off and, you know, everybody wants to help, which is really nice. Um, I think the kids were there just more to kind of listen or just to kind of get the update portion of it. Cause they kind of like that, but it's, you know, there's a, a good support of people that I work with and some women that I work with that were really helpful. Um, you know, my husband works a lot, but he he stayed home for two weeks during kind of the shutdown before he went back to work. So it was helpful to in, in a typical year without a shutdown, he probably wouldn't have had that much time at home to help. So, I mean, it kind of all lined up for me that I could still get my work done, but take care of myself at the same time. So it, you know, bad for the globe, but it worked out for me.
0: With uh, what, what have you learned about yourself during this? I mean, it's not as you said. What we learn, whether it's through a global cam- pandemic or dealing, you know, with some other challenges that get thrown our way, what, what have you learned through this experience that'll that you think will help you as you know we continue? And
1: that's a big question. Um, what have I learned? You know, I I think all this stuff I say to my team, it's like I found out I say it because I believe it. You know, we talk to them all the time about stuff's going to be hard and it's supposed to be hard. And it's not what comes at you that's hard. It's how do you deal with it and control what you can control. So all I could really control was kind of my attitude or how I felt about it. And I'm not saying I never got like upset, but I'm not, a I wasn't crying about it. It was just, here's what I have to deal with. Let's press forward. And I think when hard things come, it's just, if you create it for me, if I can create a plan, I can tackle it. So, I mean, I have more stuff coming up um, in November, some other surgeries plan, but it's just kind of one thing at a time. And it, it is what it is.
0: I imagine it seems like it was caught early enough that it's, I mean, it seems like that's kind of the big thing with, with cancers when we're able to kind of catch it. What, um, and what advice would you have? I mentioned for you just paying attention to your body was important because you realized something wasn't quite right.
1: Yeah, I was actually having, um, uh, because I work out quite a bit, which I think was super helpful in the process. Um, but I was actually like having chest pain. So I mean, they I, and I did a graded exercise test. I had an echo done. I think we thought it was something else, and then I realized like I had a lump. So they got me in within a matter of a day to start the whole process. So it's when something's not right, do something about it. And I think the hard thing for athletes is you always hurt. How do you know? When, how do you know when it's a bad hurt or it's just you just hurt? Because that's the thing. Now they say, "Well, I don't get anything until unless I'm in pain." And I'm like, "I'm always in pain." <laughs> like, <laughs> when do I get a scan? When do we get to do something? It's like, but it. Uh, it's like I'm fifty-something. It hurts. So, I think just paying attention and knowing yourself is a big deal.
0: good. Okay, well, uh, glad to hear your progress so far. You know, wish you well as you continue your your healing. So, thank you very much. I uh, probably you got class soon here, or practice, or what's next on. Uh, uh,
1: Next on my day is a little bit of work and then practice in the rain. So it'll be good.
0: It'll be good. a great day, great day to play soccer. So good. Well, thanks, Lee, and uh, we look forward to watching you uh, compete. You guys compete this spring.
1: All right, thanks, Adam.